So um, I'm sure that I don't have to uh, introduce anyone to the reason why we're here. Today's Chafav, the 20th of Av, which is the Yar site, thank you very much, of a great tzaddik, the Rebbe's father, Rebbe Levi Yitzchak, um, who was the Rav in one of the great cities of Ukraine called? Well, initially, when he was the Rav there was Yakin Trinislav, but uh, Yakin Trinislav is a hard name for people to say, so they changed it to Dnepr Petrovsk. You know, just, <laughs> you know, just to make it easy. Um, and he was again the Rav, and this is, it seems, probably the greatest of the cities in uh, Ukraine at the time. Um, and he was fearless in one of the most difficult times for Klal Yisrael in the last generation, or in many generations, and that was under Stalin, and he was a great murderer of his time, him and Hitler. And the Rebbe's father talked a lot about Stalin and Hitler and the two Klippas of the time, and he explained it. Um, and ultimately, he, the Rebbe's father, who's fearless and is uh, standing for the truth of Torah and Halacha in his city and around the city, was ultimately arrested and exiled, spent five years in a torturous exile, and uh, died there. At the end of the five years, he passed away. Um, on the 20th above, in Tufshan Dalid, was it uh, 1944, right? How um, do we know the exact date? There was an well, ex- they, they said? His wife was there. Other children were there. Oh, he wasn't in when he was, prison? He was, no, he was, no, a, he was in prison for a couple of months, and then they exiled him uh, to this very distant place called uh, Amata, but then to Chile. The Rebbe Tzimchana came, was with him all those time. And there were even a few chassidim that were able to come, and he wasn't alone when he passed away. There were chassidim, a few couple of chassidim, and his wife was there. Um, yeah, they, they definitely knew. Um, and this is, um, it's, it's a sad story. It's a great story. It's a sad story. You know, the, in the beginning of the summer, we celebrate Yud based Tammuz. I'm always here every year, usually from just about Yud based Tammuz till just about Chafav. So it starts with the Chag Hagul of the previous Rebbe, who was also a fearless leader in that time in Russia and was also imprisoned and was also sentenced to death. But ultimately, the Friedrich Rebbe's story ends on a positive note because on the 12th of Tammuz was his liberation, miraculously they were to get out and go from Russia to Poland and ultimately from Poland to America and bring Lubavitch to America. And in the end of the summer, we had the Rebbe's father, who in many ways was the... Um, the leader of Russian Hasidic Jewry after the Friedrich Rebbe left Russia. And his story ends sort of tragically. He's, again, he's imprisoned, and he's exiled. You know, he had, of course, certain uh, victories in his time. Um, I'll, I'll never forget, I was maybe, maybe eight or nine years old at the time, and there was a, uh, when the Rebbe instituted Sivas Hashem, the children's um, army of Hashem, so the Rebbe would talk special sikhs for the children. Um, anyone ever remember such a concept? Yeah, I used to learn them all the time. Right. Where did that actually start? So it started in <laughs> 1981. In the 80s. In 81, beginning of 80s. And on the, it was Chalamod Pesach. And I don't know if this was 1982 or 83. Not later than that. Chalamod Pesach, the Rebbe had a special rally for children. And I was there as a child in 770. And it was the 18th of Nisan. And what's unique of mm-hmm. the 18th of Nisan is the Rebbe's father's birthday. Right. Today is his yard site, but his birthday is on the 18th of Nisan. And the Rebbe spoke to us about his father. And he said, I want to tell you a story about my father. He tells us the children. And he says that 
Um, his father was the mashgiach for all the wheat, the wheat fields that were there in, in the Ukraine area. He was the mashgiach. And all of the kosher matzah for Pesach, for the entire Ukraine, was under his father's hashgacha. Wow. Wow. And the authorities came to him and they heard that he was very machmir. You know, if it got wet, anything, it was not kosher of Pesach. And they wanted everything to be kosher of Pesach because of taxes, right? How much do you pay for a regular matzah versus shmura matzah? <laughs> so they, they made a lot of money from it. And they said, you know, everything's got to be kosher for Pesach. And he says, if it's halachically kosher, I'll say it's kosher. If not, not. So they said, you know what? You don't have to say anything. We'll put out the letters that it's kosher. <laughs> so he says, and I'll put out a letter that there's no kosher for Pesach Matzah this year. He told us the Russian authorities, you know, Stalin's people. And they said, you know who you're playing with? And what he did was he traveled then to um, the, the uh, what was the capital then? I think it was Leningrad. And he traveled to Leningrad and he asked for an appointment with the I think interior minister of Russia, his name was Kalina. Not Stalin, but Ka- Kalinin. That's what the Rebbe called him when he, when he, when he said the story. So, so the Rebbe's father went to him and he says, I'm demanding with the right, I'm a rabbi, and um, for the right of honesty, that nobody could say something that's kosher if I didn't sign off on it. And the Rebbe told us, he says, he says, look, he says, this is the Russian government, this is a superpower. And he says, when a Yid is not afraid to go in the ways of Torah, and he says, and an order came out from Kalinan that whatever the rabbi says, you have to follow wow. for that year. That year. So he had victories in his time, but later they arrested him. And they sent him to a very torturous uh, prison and then exiled, so much so that I'm sure you have a picture of the rabbi's father today. The picture that you have today is not the picture that even we had when we were children. I don't know if anyone remembers that, but 30 years ago. When we had a picture of his father, it was a picture of a, a man who looks 30 years older than the picture everyone has today. Hmm. And that's the picture of what he looked like at the end of his imprisonment. And when they showed the Rebbe a picture of his father, he says, is this my father? I don't recognize him. Because hmm. five years aged him, I don't know, 30 years or 40 years. The picture we have today was found recently, or 10 years ago, 15 years ago, in an earlier uh, a photo when, when he was arrested. So he went through a very torturous situation. Five years, and he, and he passed away. And it's interesting that the Rebbe connects, um, the Rebbe says everything has, we look into Torah to find what it teaches us and the lessons, and the Rebbe says, where is Chaf Af mentioned in the Gemara, in Talmud? It's not, it's not a date on the general Talmud map. Most people don't know if they're not Labavish, but the Rebbe's father so you don't know Chaf Af. But the Rebbe says, if you look through the entire Talmud, you find it was mentioned in one place. And it's mentioned that there was a special, there was a family, that they would bring wood to the base Hamikdash, and they donated it on Chafav. And it was their special yomtiv. Chafav was a special yomtiv of the wood that was donated in the Beis HaMikdash. So what's the special lesson of wood being donated for the Mizbech in the Beis HaMikdash, and how does that relate to the Rebbe's father? So when you think about it, we have karbonis. We have a karbon tamid and a karbon chatas and a karbon shlomim and a karbon asham. And each karbon plays a specific part, part in the story. Carbon tamid is a daily sacrifice, a chattas, if a person sinned, you have a carbon todov, so if a nace happens, you have a carbon of a yoldus, a woman who gives birth, all different types of carbonics. But then there's the wood. What part does the wood play in every carbon? It just gets burnt up, and it's not there anymore. And no one makes a big deal about the wood. The wood is just there, that everything else should work. And in life, sometimes we're called upon to be the wood. Not what it's all about, just enabling that what it's all about should happen. And that's really a concept of bittal. It's a, it's a humility. It's the ability to be happy 
that Hashem's will is being is happening through me. Now I might not get to see the end of the story. I was just a sort of a, a cog in the way that helped that helped it happen. So here you have a person like the Rebbe's father, tremendous Rav, a tremendous Sadik. Um, and he just and he, so to speak, he just gets lost. He's arrested and he's sent off and he passes away there. And he never lived to see and his that his son became the leader of Klal Yisrael, someone who touches the entire Klal Yisrael. And his Sfarim are learned in thousands and thousands of people. He never lived to see all that. He was, he did his job with Mesir Nefesh, with dedication. And, you know, sometimes it's, sometimes the story has a Yud-based Hamos ending, sometimes the story has a Chaf of ending. Sometimes we are able to see the fruit of our labor, and we're able to rejoice in it, and it's very nice, and it's very wonderful, and we're able to enjoy what we've accomplished and how we accomplished. But sometimes we put an effort and we put an energy in doing what we know we're supposed to be doing, doing the right thing, doing what the terrorist says, what Jesus tells us to do, and sometimes we, we can be, um, we're not, we don't merit to see, for sure not the immediate, but even sometimes long-term, I put in all that effort and put in so much, I tried and tried, and whatever happened with that, that sort of, that, that flopped. And not always do we see. Sometimes we do see. But Chafav, I think, is the wood carbon. Is the time when we think about the moments and we dedicate to the moments when we're just wood. We're just, we sort of get burnt up in the process. But a carbon is happening. Something special is happening. Something great is happening. And sometimes we see it. Sometimes we don't see it. You know, my, uh, my summer job is Machan Alta, like some of you know firsthand. Um, so I remember once we were sitting with by the table and we were talking about Ashkacha Pratis and we went around the table if everyone could share something. So one of the students said the following. She said that she, I don't remember, it was a number of years ago, but the point is she finished college and she needed a certain job. And she took a certain job somewhere. And um, it was miserable. From the first day, everything about it was wrong. The work wasn't good, the pay wasn't good, it didn't even help her with, everything was wrong. So after three months, finally she said, enough is enough. She stopped, she was very happy, and she moved on, and things worked out. But she felt bad about those three wasted months in her career, and her life. Like, says, it was maybe a year later or something, and she meets a person and says, remember me? Says, no. She says, remember, you were, you were at a job, you were a couple months somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. She says, I worked in the next cubicle. I remember you talked to me a few times about Torah and about this. Since then, I changed my life. Wow. So since then, I, I checked it. I, you know, I, now I keep Shabbos and this, and my life's a different life. Wow. And she said, she realized those three months were terrible hard months, and she felt it was just a wasted three months. She had no idea what she was doing there. But she had a mission there. And she had the zuchus to find out what the mission was. We don't know always. So many times in life, we go through something, we go through a stage or a place or a, a child, a, a situation. It was just a dead end. We tried, we tried, nothing happened. But we believe that every effort, L'shem Shemaim, every effort that we do with positive um, kavana, doesn't go to waste. Either we see it, sometimes we see it, and sometimes we don't see it. But that's definitely a message of, of, of Chof of the Rebbe's father. And it's interesting to note, the Rebbe made this point, his father wrote a tremendous amount of Torah. He was a tremendous goyim, tremendous Talmud Chacham. And he wrote in Halacha, and he wrote in Kabbalah, he wrote a tremendous amount of Torah. But we have nothing from almost everything that he wrote. Because when he was arrested, they took everything, and ultimately the Russians, they, they destroyed everything. But we do have something that he wrote. What do we have? All that we have from him is the writings that he wrote in those years in exile, when he didn't have any sfarim. 
and you know, we all know the Rebbe would always talk about his mother on Chafav, the Rebbe Sinchana, that she went out to the fields and with her hands she made the ink and she brought him the ink and he wrote it on the margins of the few svarim that he had. He had a Tanya, a Zayar, a Tilim, I think. And on the margins he wrote his thoughts and those thoughts today are five or six volumes. But it's interesting, we don't have anything left from all the Torah that he wrote throughout the regular part of his life. Right? Until he was 60 years old. We have nothing. And he wrote tremendously. What do we have? That which he wrote with Mesiris Nefesh. That which he wrote when he had nothing else. That's in the most difficult parts of his life. And, and the lesson there is the things that, that were the hardest, the moments that were the hardest, and the days that were the hardest. And when we 